With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans, Millennial Ben, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app. Check them out at BetRivers.com. Also, uh, the great guys over at Dude Wipes. DudeProducts.com slash Stink15 for 15% off. And uh, by the way, also stinking good green chili. Uh, Those two things go hand in hand. You eat a bunch of my green chili, then you use the Dude Wipes to clean up after yourself. Uh, It's a match made in heaven for crying out loud. Stinkinggood.com for the green chili and the queso dip. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, although it's funny. I found myself thinking of dude wipes during this whole Aaron Rodgers 12-day Panchakarma cleanse in which apparently it includes using ghee butter mm-hmm. to lubricate one's bottom down there mm-hmm. for everything that's going to be going on during these 12 days of cleansing. And Do I'm you, just like, is it that just you're, go with the dude wipes. Are you lubricating your fanny or... <laughs> Are you eating so much ghee butter that you're basically preparing yourself for colonoscopy? Because I think <laughs> I think I, I was not sure which one was which. They they said this whole panchakar, and I'm not judging. I am not like if that's what you want to do to to reach nirvana. <laughs> I mean that's it's good for you. That's great. I'm not judging you for doing it. I'm just curious, like how much ghee butter does it take before it's coming out of both ends how much do you have the is it one jar of ghee butter is it two jars of ghee butter after the third jar of ghee butter you're just like a uh, greasy mudslide i mean what <laughs> like what what goes on here and did you and then the other thing that was killing me is after three days of of your ghee butter fast or whatever it is you're doing with that ghee butter um then it was it was a day of uh, therapeutic vomiting. Sounds fun. Yeah, and, and I thought to myself, therapeutic. Well, isn't all vomiting kind of therapeutic? Like like you drink too much, or you eat, too, or you get food poisoning. It's about getting the demons out, right? And so <laughs> right. it's like, is all I think, but I've never really heard of it, it, like therapeutic vomiting. Like that sounds like it's almost like one of those things that's made up, like. Just have a good vomit, and uh, the next thing you know, everything is going to be hunky-dory, right? No, no, no. I think I speak for everybody who's ever done it, that when you're in the process of doing it, you're like, oh, my God, you will make packs Mm -hmm. with the good Lord above. I will never, ever do this again so long as I don't have to experience this again. Right. Why do you think they call it bowing to the porcelain god? Right. A day. 
of therapeutic Ugh. vomiting. Like, how many times during the course of a day do you vomit? Ugh. And, like, once you've vomited it all and there's nothing left, then what? You got to drink a bunch more or eat a bunch more of ghee butter so you vomit some just straight ghee butter? Or I, I don't understand how the whole thing works. It sounds miserable. Why do you have to put yourself through so much to supposedly find this enlightenment? I, I think I could reach it with a six-pack and a plate of wings. I think when it's all said and done, I'll probably be able to reflect pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to think about the last time I had exploding diarrhea and what went into it and it <laughs> certainly wasn't three jars of ghee butter <laughs> right. right it was good wow. it was good old-fashioned food anyhow then he comes out with you know he comes out with this sense of enlightenment that he puts on instagram and sense of gratitude yeah sense you of know, gratitude yeah, yeah. Well, after the enlightenment you yeah. get the sense of gratitude and and you know and and you he writes the whole thing down and then people are like it because it sounded like a goodbye Sounded like either a goodbye to the NFL or a goodbye to the Green Bay Packers. And then he said, no, no, no. I was enlightened after 12 days of, you know, 12 days of of cleanse, of cleanse you know, to just have this sense of gratitude and go out and, and, and basically thank everybody on Instagram. So let me ask you this, Mike. Do you buy that? Is it, is it, you know, you've had, you've been enlightened after this 12 day cleanse You've come out of poncha karma, and you're feeling this incredible sense of gratitude, and so you want to go out on Instagram and share it with the world. Is it the, the like I'm thinking? That I'm done if, trying okay, to. Okay, let me just let me just Roger speak. Okay, so here's my here's my thought. You didn't tell anybody you're going on your poncha karma journey, right? You, it wasn't that wasn't something you released on Instagram. Right, this is something you did for enlightenment. So once you've found your enlightenment and you have the sense of gratitude, why put it on Instagram? I'm, I'm assuming you have Devonte Adams and uh, and and Randall Cobb's cell phones. You could text them your sense of gratitude, right? I'm assuming you know your girlfriend. Who your fiance? Who apparently you're back together with? Like I'm assuming that you're talking to her. I'm 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 thinking you probably had a a couple's enema. You know, I mean, I think that's part of the poncha karma, right? Is you you go in there. Like you and I should go in, like to the the vomitorium, oh. and um, you know, and just like a, just a couple's a couple's uh. enema. This the two of us, like <laughs> to a, really yeah. to really connect. Yeah. In, in regards it. to our podcast and radio show, where we're just staring, like we're we're both in in the fetal position, staring face to face with our hineys hanging off the back end of a bench, and uh, and you know our our uh, our Panchakarma um, specialists are are both giving us enemas. Uh, I, it sounds fun to me. It sounds like a great. Our time. relationship will go to a whole nother level if we do that. There's no doubt about that. I would imagine once you've had an enema with your significant other, <laughs> right, and you guys have had a group enema, yeah, then you're I mean, bonded for life. Oh yeah, you're connected. Like, so, okay, well, it's a good question. Let me let me. Why why do you think he? Because initially everybody took that as okay. He's he's reflecting. It sure sounds like he's saying goodbye to somebody, right? Yeah, he's saying well, goodbye my, my to the Packers, thought. or he's saying goodbye to the NFL. Yeah, my initial thought was he was saying goodbye to the Packers. Like, man, it's been really, what a journey right. I've been on, but it's time. You know, it's time to go the way of Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I know you, you have to get a trade. Those guys were free agents, but 
It certainly felt that way. But after the explanation, did your opinion change? Uh, no, my opinion really didn't. You still I, think he wants out? I don't, I mean, again, like you, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not in the Aaron Rodgers try to figure out what's going through his head. Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, uh, and, and like, maybe you were just, maybe you were just feeling grateful. I mean, I have a feeling you know what you want to do, right? I mean, I, I, like you're you're making a decision about your future. I have a feeling you know which way you're leaning. Um, then why are you not? Why are you not just saying, "Hey, man, I'm committed to working things out with the Packers. We need to hammer out a new deal." Or or are are you waiting for Devontae Adams? I see. I think that's it right there because uh-huh. they lost to the 49ers. Their season ended on January 22nd. It's been a month. Yes. If you really wanted to come back to the Packers, what are you waiting for? Get a deal done. Get a contract restructured. So the the, the fact that this hasn't happened yet and we just entered the franchise tag window that lasts until about March 8th, I think it's as simple as he's waiting to see what the, the Packers do with, with Devontae Adams. If, he, if they sign Devontae Adams to a long-term deal, I think he stays. If they slap the franchise tag on Devontae Adams, I think he walks. Or he demands a trade. Hmm. You think? That's yeah. my theory, that it all circulates around Devontae Adams. Is that, does that make sense to I, you? It does, it does make sense. I mean, that— I think that it's really listening to him on Pat McAfee's show talking about how important Devontae Adams is and how he's the best receiver in football. And I've talked to Aaron, you know, I've talked to Aaron uh, when I did a Packer game about Devontae Adams and just what a brilliant football player he is and how he sees the game. Like he, Aaron Rodgers talks about Devontae Adams like Matt Stafford talks about Cooper Cup. He plays wide receiver like a like a quarterback and where he'll come back to the huddle and say, Hey man, on that, he gave me this, he gave me on that particular play. Uh, he gave me this leverage. If we get back into that formation and run that play again, this is what I'm going to do to the guy. Like he, he, Aaron says he thinks about it like a quarterback and he understands the game from a coverage standpoint and everything like a quarterback. And, you know, and it's, it's amazing like to have that kind of feel and that sense. And so I think it is important for Aaron to continue to play with Devontae Adams. And I think it's important for Aaron. I will say this. I think Aaron does have, you know, a lot of relationships that he really cherishes um, with the Packers. I think that's one of the issues that he had with the Packers and the way they handled business is a lot of those relationships that were important inside that locker room that management was just looking at it from a, you know, a a dollars and cents standpoint as, a, as opposed to, well, what what does a guy like Corey Lindsley, what does he mean to our franchise? You know, it's more important than just, hey, we don't want to spend money. It's, it's you know, there's it's a bigger thing than that. So I think there is that, that part of it. And, you know, Brian Gutenkunst, who came out yesterday and said, hey, you know, whether, like, number one, I didn't ever agree to trade him. But I think the contract that they worked out, the way it's been explained to me, Mike, is the contract that they worked out made it cost prohibitive to bring him back unless the new deal was done. 
right? And so unless they get a new deal, then they're going to have to move him. Now they're they're moving, you know, they're moving money around. They're renegotiating guys' contracts. I think they've freed up some, you know, thirteen million dollars or yep. whatever it is. Yep. But um, bottom line is they still can't afford both Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Um, they can't afford. Honestly, they can't afford to franchise Devontae Adams at twenty whatever million dollars, and then pick up Aaron Rodgers at forty-five million dollars. I mean, half your salary cap is tied up in those two players, so they have to get long-term deals with both guys to fit them. And I also heard Gutenkunz, I think, and I may be paraphrasing to a degree, but basically said, "We're the Green Bay Packers. We operate differently, and if it doesn't work, we'll be fine." You know, I, there was a something about him saying that, you know doesn't see Jordan Love becoming tradable. And, you know, this, that, and the other. So, um, they need to know. I don't know when they're going to know, but they definitely need to know. And so they can operate They can operate business. So, I I, I don't know. I, I think you might be right. Maybe, maybe Rodgers is just waiting to see exactly what they do with Devontae Adams. All right. We wait on Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, interesting, uh, you've been insistent in saying that Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. Russell Wilson doesn't want out. Seattle certainly doesn't want to trade Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And yet Tim Hasselbeck from ESPN came on the other day and said, no, I'm hearing what I'm hearing is Russell Wilson wants out. But more importantly, Seattle is more than willing to trade Russell Wilson. And if the Chicago Bears had made an attractive enough offer a year ago, they would have been willing to trade Russell Wilson then. Okay. You you did right. Seattle's last game of the year. Yes. You were there. You talked to Pete Carroll. You talked to Russell yep. Wilson. What do you make of Tim Hasselbeck? Well, I mean, I don't have any inside inf- in, inside information on whether Russell wants out or whether Russell doesn't want out. You know, I mean, if you if you kind of where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, when his agent comes out and says, hey, there's four places he wants to be traded to, that wasn't just his agent speculating or making something up. I mean, they had obviously talked about the potential of that trade. Um, Toward the end of the season, Russell started playing really well again. After that finger injury, you know, he came back, what, three weeks after he had that finger surgery. It was supposed to be an eight-week surgery or four weeks, whatever it was. And um, and really, he didn't play very well early until he got the feel back in, you know, his hand and all, all those things. So, you know, I didn't expect him to be great. And when they got their running game back with, um, was it Rashad Penny? Like they were really, they they were really formidable, and they they, you know, they put it on Arizona in the last game of the season. They were they were playing pretty well. Um, my sense is is that it was fairly hunky dory. And that whatever problems there were, and I'm not saying there weren't problems, whatever problems there were, I think they've done enough to work those out. That's just my gut feeling telling me that. Um, listen, if there were, uh, here's the deal. And John, and, and um, oh gosh, what's the GM's John name? John Schneider. John Schneider. John Schneider said this before, you know, oh, we'll just go to the quarterback franchise tree and pluck another one off the quarterback, you know. I mean, they don't grow on quarterback franchise, franchise quarterback tree. That, that tree doesn't exist. And when you have one, and there's probably, what, 10, 12 teams in the league that really have one, Mike, you just don't let those guys walk. 
You're just not eager to say, oh, yeah, we'll find another one. No big deal. It's easy. You just don't pluck them off the franchise quarterback tree. So, like, if Russell Wilson was really available, there's a difference between saying, yeah, we'll listen to your trade offers and a guy being really, truly available. And so, you know, there were changes made. Uh, Pete Carroll changed offensive coordinators. Shane Waldron came from the Rams. That's what they wanted to do. You know, I think Russell Wilson was part of that decision. So here's your coordinator. Here's the offense that you want to run. You know, Pete's you know, let go of his some of his defensive coaches. They've got a new coordinator. Like All these things have happened. And let me just tell you this. If you have a franchise quarterback, you don't just give the franchise quarterback away because why? Because, hey, man, we'll get some, you know, we'll get some picks and we'll rebuild it. Like, no, you figure out a way to make it work. And if Pete Carroll's the issue, guess what? Pete Carroll, you can go back and coach in college again if that's what you want to do or just retire. I just don't – I look at that and knowing how hard that is to make that happen and how vital Russell Wilson is to that organization, how he really is the lifeblood, you know, that courses through the veins of that organization. I just can't see you all of a sudden going, yeah, let's uh, – you know, let's give Russell away for an unknown commodity and some other unknown commodities. And, you know, let's, you know, go, let's go, you know, kick the can down the road and, and restart this thing. I, I, I can't buy that that's what's going to happen. One of the biggest names in the NFL in sports lately has been Brian Flores. And there was a sense that with his lawsuit against the NFL and some specific teams that he might have blackballed his way out of the NFL. But he hooks on with the Steelers as a uh, defensive senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach. Surprise you at all um, that he got that he got a, a an opportunity. I, it didn't right away? Su- like it, it did because of the lawsuit did surprise me, but it doesn't surprise me because of the coach that he is. He's a really damn good coach, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, I mean, there was there was obviously he interviewed for some head coaching jobs, and you know. Um, going back in, like everybody who gets fired has to go back and take a step back, you know, be a coordinator, be a position coach, be whatever. And that happens, you know, that happens pretty regularly. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think, you know, from Mike Tomlin is one of the, one of the great head coaches that this league has ever seen. He's never had a, what, 15 seasons, never had a losing season, I think. Uh, I mean, and He's one of those dudes that when you sit down with him, Mike, it's, man, it is, it's great. Like his, his honesty and his kind of where his team is, what he's doing, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, You know, he said something to me that really resonated with me that, that I just was like, man, I got to put that in my lexicon. He goes, you know, when you sit down to eat, every meal doesn't have to be a buffet. Sometimes you can just snack a little bit, right? And in regards to, you know, in regards to offense, you know, you, every, like, sometimes you just got to take that profit. Sometimes you just got to nibble a little bit. Sometimes it's not, not every, you know, not every meal has got to be, a, you got to be, you don't have to gorge yourself on every meal. And I, I just kind of like the philosophy of that. And I think Brian Flores, you know, not only does he, not only is he a really damn good coach and, you know, a really smart football guy but I think going into an organization like this with Mike Tomlin and see how Mike Tomlin 
runs his organization on a day-to-day basis. I think it helps you, you know, as you as you get an opportunity, hopefully, to be a head coach again. So, um, and if you had told me, okay, Brian Flores is going to get a job right away, give me three or four teams in the NFL that you think would hire him, mm-hmm. the Steelers would automatically come to mind because you talk about a franchise that has been doing it for so long. Right. They they certainly are a march to the beat of their own drummer type organization. They, right. they never have struck me as a follow the herd type uh, organization. So whether it's Brian Flores, I mean, excuse me, whether it's Mike Tomlin or whether it's the Roonies, I, I could see them saying, yeah, okay, well, you know, maybe the rest of the NFL feels this way about that guy, but we see a damn good coach. Yeah. And we see a guy that can come in and really be a valuable asset to us. Right. And, and let's face it. I mean, the Rooney rule is – yeah. Part and parcel because of of yeah. the the Steelers, right? Sure. So the the sure. Rooneys. So um, it's important to them, um, which I appreciate about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the way they operate their their organization, the way they operate their business. Speaking of coaches, we have just come off another hiring cycle where it's evident. Talking about following the herd, there is a copycat element out there that you know people are looking for these young, creative, dynamic, offensive minded. Type head coaches. Mm-hmm. We joke about the Oda McVay right. uh, all the time. You got a really cool opportunity to talk to new Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett, just the two of you, right? Chopping it up for a couple hours talking mm-hmm. football, right? How'd that come about, and what was it like? Well, you, you know, every year, Mike, I, like, well, not probably not every year, but oftentimes, let's just say that I get I get asked by coaches in the league, like, "Hey, man, you want to do you want to coach?" Would you consider taking a job as a coach? And um, and I've had several over the last couple of years where coaches that were in that hiring cycle came out and said, "Hey, man, like if I get a head coaching job, will you come and join my staff, or will you at least entertain it?" And my standard operating answer is, I would love to go through the formal interview process. Um, where I am right now in my life, I don't know that I'm willing to give up what I'm doing. I love what I do, but you know, you better be, not. Yeah. Well, thank you. But <laughs> over my dead body. Right. But I would, I would certainly, you know, like the opportunity to at least have that conversation. And that happened this off season where a very prominent coach that, that didn't make it in the, in the finals, you know, was, well, it was a final with a bunch of different teams, but um, anyhow, what didn't become a head coach um, had asked me to to potentially join his staff if he decided to take that head coaching job. And long story short, um, I reached out to the Broncos because I was just like, hey, man, this is kind of where I'm at right now, and I'd love to just come in and pick the brain of Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, not do a formal interview, but just kind of go through and, and, and have that conversation. And so I talked to the general manager, and he's like, absolutely. So he goes, give me a, a week or two, and – you know, and let us settle down and make a few other hires, and we'll figure it out. Just called me and said, hey, man, can you come in today? And I was like, absolutely. And, you know, next thing you know, you're sitting there for two hours just kind of chopping it up about football in general and trading ideas on philosophy and everything else. And and um, and it was, it was great. I mean, he – you could see why that when he went through the interview process, people got excited about him because he's – energetic he is intelligent he you know is excited about about football and 
has an eagerness, and I think this is really cool, has an eagerness to learn. Um, you know, would be the probably the, one of the first guys to say, "Hey, man, I don't know at all," and um, and you know, what what can I get from you? Like, there's I've always been told there's two types of of listeners, like people who listen to hear, and people who listen to respond. You know, the guy that just can't can't wait for you to stop talking right. so he can jump in. Right. I mean, I, I do that sometimes, right? You, you, I want to jump in and tell you what I think, you know, and here's what it, here's the definitive answer on whatever. And I didn't get that sense. I got that sense of, of let me hear what you're having to say um, and let me absorb what you're having to say. And let me, like, there were, there was, I mean, we just had, we went through so many things on philosophies and ideas and concepts and, and, Things that like things that he learned along the way. Who was the uh, who was the receiver back in the day? Super fast was Joey Galloway that was like super super fast. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Joey he was talking about. He coached Joey for a while. Um, maybe I don't remember where they were, but he, anyhow, he was telling me he's like, um, like Joey had to learn. How to run routes at less than full speed. And so he was explaining to Nathaniel Hackett, and this has to do with route distribution. This has to do with the timing of, you know, a timing of the passing game. And and Joey was was like, what I really had to learn was how to run, like if I'm running a scene. I'm running down the middle of the seam on a, you know, on a just a go. How I had to run at about three quarter speed because I'm so fast that I'll just outrun the quarterback's arm, mm-hmm. and I'll take myself out of, you know, I'll take myself out of contention to a ball being delivered to me. So I had to learn how to run routes, and I had to learn the pace and how to control my speed and the pace with which the ball comes out. And so, like, Nathaniel talking about how eye-opening that was to say, wow, you know, these players, like, you have to listen. You have to understand. Like, every guy's got a different problem, right? Every guy's got a, a, a different set of circumstances that he plays under. And for you to really be effective and really be good, you have to be able to listen to that and and kind of go, okay, this play for that player, this play for that player, this way for that player, this way for that. And and how do you how do you know that unless you listen to the player, unless you know the player's strengths and weaknesses, unless you're willing to really hear and and really adjust what you're doing. You have your base of of Here's my philosophy. Here's my offense. And, you know, what are we going to, like, how are we going to adjust it based on the players? But that's communication, right? Yeah. That, that's the essence of communication instead uh-huh. of just simply, I'm the coach, you're the player, sit there as I tell you what it all is. Right. You know, it's funny. We, I, I walked in, I walked in and on the, on the, on the board you know, on his grease board in his room, he had a couple of plays drawn up, right? A couple of things drawn up. And one was like a, like a, a, a curl burst combination, right? So it was a 
like a, you can call it a comeback or a dig, like an 18-yard comeback up top, an underneath route, you know, a, a, just a, a flat route. Um, and then, and then a, you know, the, the burst is the running back through the line of scrimmage and, and coming toward, you know, toward the curl or the dig or the comeback, whatever you want to call it. And so it makes this perfect passing triangle. And then one was a three, like a three by one formation where number three had a deep through route. Right. So it, it, you know, and, and you're always trying to figure out, Hey, if it's single high, you're cutting in front of the safety. If it's double high, you're, you're running up to the, the front safety and then you're cutting across his face into the middle, into that, in that window. And then it was two under routes. And in the West coast offense, West coast offense, like in San Francisco, you call that follow, right? That's that route is called follow that three by one route. Uh, that three man route is called a follow. And he said, Oh, that's Indy. I call that Indy. And so that's because of Pete Manning. He called it Indy. That was one of his favorite routes, Indy, Indy, Indy. And then, you know, and then there's another route, Colt. So you run the same concept, but the, instead of, you know, you one guy runs an under, the other guy, or one guy runs an under, and the other guy runs a, you know, a, you know, a basic or whatever. You know, however you want to change that. Or, or the outside guy runs the under, and the inside guy runs a drive or a now. And now we call that so off the indie concept. Now we got the Colt concept. Now we got the the horseshoe concept, like whatever. And that's how that's how routes get named. But they're all the same route. They're just named something different. But it was just it's just cool to sit down and pick football people's brains about kind of how they coach and the way they go about things. You do love it. Oh my Man. god, I'm a junkie. You you are a junkie. I am. You're a junkie. addicted to it. That's good. Yeah. And we get to reap the benefits of everything that you learn. So, thank you. Well, there you go. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinking Truth Podcast, for our great presenting sponsors, folks over at Bet Rivers, Bet with a Winner, Bet with Bet Rivers, the guys at DudeWipes, DudeProducts.com, slash uh, Stink15. Use that as the promo code for 15% off. For Mike, I am Mark. We thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you next week.